Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 29 for Monday, March 4th, 2019. My name is Johnny, but you might know me as Pixel Riffs, and joining me as always is Joel Duggan. Hello, Joel. Hello, sir. How is your Minecraft world treating you? My Minecraft world is treating me very, very well. When it's not setting me on fire, it's it's actually it's actually pretty good. And we will get into we that. We have in, that in common. Yeah, we, <laughs> we'll get into that in just a second. But first, we have an exciting announcement, which we're actually going to save for the end of the show. But stay tuned for uh, an announcement. We're going to have a special guest on the show next week. We're very excited about this. But we're gonna we're gonna leave you hanging for a little while while we talk about some Minecraft, and we will come back to that later on. But special guest announcement coming up at the end of the show. You will not want to miss it. So, let's talk about this Minecraft business. How how you, have you been getting on in Minecraft this week? What have you been up to? Oh man, it's more about what I have not been up to. Uh, ah. I took Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Big chunks of my days were spent streaming on Twitch, and I had an absolute blast with folks in the chat. And we ranged from doing a bunch of technical stuff. On Friday, we found a zombie spawner and turned it into a meat market. Uh, I mean, not not decorated. It was just a pure no XP. We're just getting flesh to trade with uh, clerics. Sure. Um, but it was the first time that I've built uh, a new zombie spawner since uh, a new collection system since one dot thirteen. So I had I had some things and some fact checks, and I, I had to work around water columns and things like that. And it uh, it was educational. I I really enjoyed it. Uh, turns out that you can uh, you have to drop mobs a little bit farther now because they float in water differently. Yeah, and yeah. The the farther you fo- drop them out of the escape area of a spawner, the faster they go. And boy, does this zombie spawner pump out zombies now. It's actually mm-hmm. quite quite fun to watch. Uh, noisy though. Yeah. <laughs> really, really not a fun not a fun thing to listen to. I thought cave spiders were annoying. Nope, zombies are worse. Yeah. When yeah. there's when there's that many of them, zombies are absolutely absolutely worth uh, worse. Uh, and then uh, I had a really chill stream on Saturday where we just finished. The sugar cane plantation is now fully armed and operational. And uh, <laughs> I had a lot of people asking like, oh, so how do you harvest it? I'm just like, I don't harvest. I'm not harvesting this. This took me weeks. <laughs> this is meant to be pretty and walked by. And that's it. I thought you were uh, going to be like, is... I have server mates to do this for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And to, to, to give people an idea, when you're standing at one end of it, I have my render distance sent to six, not eight. So, or not sorry, not render distance. Fog distance is set uh-huh. to six, not eight. Render distance on the server is 12. Yeah. So uh, around about six chunks away, the fog starts to show up. Mm-hmm. And just on the other side of this sugarcane farm is when the fog starts to show up. So it's about six chunks wide. Nice. Uh, and it's about, it's kind of like an egg kind of kidney bean shape. So mm-hmm. it's it's not, you know, as wide as it is long. But it's really cool. Uh, the only regret that I have, uh, sorry to say the only, there's two. One, I put all these water sources in there under bushes. Do you think I thought to put light underneath the water sources? <laughs> oh, no. No. So it is a giant death trap at night. Do not oh, go in I'm there. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Full, yeah. Of, full of creepers uh, who blend in perfectly with the sugar cane. Perfectly. Yeah. No, I've had a number of creepers come up to say hello. Uh, not on the stream, surprisingly. Uh, but but yeah, so that was really fun. Uh, the other thing that I, I didn't do is a design flaw. And that is the the cane farm is shaped like a bowl. Like I wanted it to feel like a low marshy ground. Mm-hmm. And the highest point at the edge is not as high as sugarcane can be as the player because you the road that you walk on is even higher but i made the edge tier of sugarcane too thick too wide so when you're walking along you really can't see the bowl shape 
Right, okay. You can see it when you fly over it. You can see it when you come across the bridge. But when you're walking next to it, you really can't see the bowl shape. So if anybody ever does like a bowl shaped farm, keep the edges of your bowl really thin, like mm -hmm. one to two blocks. Mine are like four, maybe five in places. And so that, that first tier should be narrow. Yeah, you, uh, you want to have that out. like sudden drop off that you can kind yeah. of see over it all. Yeah. Yeah. So lesson learned. I've got other plan other plans for other farms in the area that are similar but different different crops. So I'm gonna I'm gonna use that and, and keep the keep the edge steep uh, along the sides. Uh, and last but not least, uh, yesterday on the stream, we were working on the Wither Squisher Room. Yes, I choose the Wither. No, I don't care. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and uh, one thing that this room, this room has been a netherrack box since we built it months ago. And uh, more than months ago, maybe even a year ago. And uh, so we, we were in there and we decided to um, create like a Wither-inspired decoration. So I'm going with like a gray and brown and soul sand i know that the wither when it's formed it's not it's not gray or it's not brown but but the soul sand kind of harkens to how you form it sure yeah so there's kind of like an altar where you have to summon the wither but i built a rib cage out of smooth quartz and stairs and slabs nice i was trying i was going to use bone block but bone block and quartz are just just different enough that they yeah yeah look it's just that slight, that slight kind of yellowy hue that's sort of in the background yeah. of yeah 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 i want to be able to have i mean not that stairs and slabs make sense in a bone block but i wish that you know either bone was whiter or quartz was yellower i guess yeah um to match so you would so you could use the different blocks but use them interchangeably mm -hmm. anyway um smooth quartz however on the side of a stair actually the the textures match up pretty pretty well so I, I was using that, and so I created this. I only did half of it, but it's got like six ribs. So it looks like you're walking into the rib cage of a giant thing that used to be there. Nice. And that's where the altar is. And then uh, immediately after building like three of them, I was like, oh, crap. When you summon the wither, it explodes. Like <laughs> it, it like breaks the blocks around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and it's not a small thing. And I don't remember because I'm never in the room when it happens. I like summon it and then I back up and I mm -hmm. wait, <laughs> right? So I uh, I was talking with one of my, I think it was Paranor in the chat. And and he said that it has the same explosion or greater than a charged creeper. And I thought, oh God, <laughs> am I, I, should, I should not build the other half of this. I should test this first. So we had Alistair test it after the stream. And turns out uh, the bedrock... Uh, muffles the explosion quite yeah. a bit so none of my none of my rib cage uh work was destroyed so i can go ahead and complete the other side so i'm excited dude it look it looks i've never done anything like this in minecraft it's very organic it looks like a it looks like it used to be a creature i'm i'm pretty excited for the level of detail i was able to achieve in what looks like a a gross <laughs> rib yeah. cage and the nether rack is helping because it looks yeah. like you know it's got the kind of fleshy and... feel of, of yeah. it already yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 that's cool speaking but, of uh, uh, speaking of rib cages have you ever found one of the buried fossils out there that's kind of naturally I generated have. yeah i haven't actually dug it out because i keep on forgetting it's there but when i when i cleared up the slime chunks in the swamp uh underneath uh, underneath the surface i found one kind of hanging there i don't know what it is like i see there's only about six blocks that are visible i haven't gone back to test it out but i think one thing i might try to do is is do that on stream that could be kind of fun because i've been asked a couple of times in my comments to do an episode about fossils for the minecraft survival guide and my response is always well i don't know where to find one because there's nothing that points yeah. you to them then they're, they're not necessarily like 
you know huge troves of resources anyway once you've got a skeleton spawner or like a decent way of getting bone meal then bone yeah. blocks are the only thing you'll find and occasionally like coal blocks and stuff for where stuff is supposed to have like represented fossilized bits of whatever this giant creature is under the sand or swamp or wherever you happen to find one but I've no idea where they would generate in my world, so it's difficult to start an episode saying, okay, we're going to find a fossil today, and then just potentially not. So mm-hmm. I'm, I am I would love to do an episode on one, but it kind of relies on me knowing where one is in my world, and without like you know cheating and flying around with a spectator account looking for one, it'd be hard. And even if I did that, there's no guarantee I would find one, because they seem to be fairly few and far between, but also if you're flying around in spectator mode under the ground any like solid blocks underneath there just render transparent to you so that you can see into where the caves and stuff are so if there is just a fossil buried completely surrounded by sand or something i'm not going to be able to see the difference between sand and bone blocks so yeah like i i love the idea of going out excavating for fossils but i've not naturally found one in my world yet and like i have no understanding of where one would be if it generated yeah do do they look good when they are found i don't know like again i haven't uncovered this like if you actually take the time to uh, dig out the stone around it and just leave the bone blocks where they are does it actually look like a fossil or does it look like a minecraft mountain and then, it's just like they're not particularly the large they're sort of five or six blocks across and then the rib cage kind of bends down and it, it does kind of form a rib cage of sorts and sometimes oh, really? there's a head to them as well sometimes there isn't people have actually tried to use the patterns that the fossils generate into kind of re- construct what a creature like that might have looked like and it does have this sort of vaguely draconic shaped head if you add all of the potential positions for the the bone blocks together which is kind Mm. of neat but then you know that's not a hint at anything that's coming to the game or whatever it's just kind of like a a, an easter egg sort of thing i guess but yeah yeah it'd be um be interesting to see if you can kind of reconstruct one of those and it'd be a great setting for like an aesthetic build like an archaeological dig in the middle of yeah wherever it happens to be but then you've just got to guarantee the position of the fossil or fake it and build one yourself I'd say faking it and building one yourself would probably be the better way to go. Absolutely. Even yeah. even Less if you are using consuming. the location. Yeah. Well, even if you happen to find a fossil, you might dig it out and go like, well, that's underwhelming. Let's change this and make this cooler. And mm-hmm. which might be, you know, the whole point behind them. Uh, you Did you build, was it DV season four where you built like a dragon skull? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, 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 built, I built like a dinosaur skull and there was a bridge that was dinosaur already made skull. of bone blocks. And so I did that as the, as the was. spine. Yeah. And, and yeah. this, the season before that, I built. Uh, I was building the museum, which is a, a project I intend to come back to in Survival Guide at some point. I was building a museum for basically every block and mob in Minecraft and kind of displaying them and having exhibits and stuff, uh, which I think it'd be great for Survival Guide further down the line because then it's something people can download and look around and it's like, this teaches you all about what's in Minecraft. But yeah, um, yeah the, the in, in the museum I built, in the central hall, I built a giant skeleton that was meant to represent the ender dragon it was larger than the ender dragon but after we killed it as a server i was like okay i'll just put a giant skeleton in there and be like this is the ender dragon skeleton and to kind of give it that interactive museum-y feel i put in a dispenser on the floor that fired an arrow to a button sat in the dragon's mouth and then that fired a lingering potion so it looked like it was breathing the particles and and i thought i thought that was a really neat effect and that's one of the things i want to do with a museum project in future is make it like interactive and have stuff that you know when you go to a museum and there's stuff for kids to like open up and press and like listen Mm. to recordings of stuff and watch videos i kind of want to put elements like that into a museum project if i if i revisit that but i've got a long way to go before i get that far yeah it would be cool to be able to do stuff like that in minecraft i feel like the bone blocks and some of the other blocks are a little bit too wide 
you yeah. might be able to get away with it now. Do we have quartz walls coming in one fourteen? I, can't, I remember. can't remember. I kind of hope so. I don't think so. Because yeah, like white yeah. walls like that would be kind of useful. Yeah, well, especially because like the 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 wall on itself, like alone, would be a, a like much smaller than a, a one by one meter cube, right? Yeah. So you could have like a bone that might actually look like a bone. Uh, I feel like um, something that I experienced in the Natural History Museum in New York years ago uh, would be hard to to duplicate in Minecraft, and because of the the thinness of the blocks, like you'd have to kind of figure it out, but. Um, I walked in and there was a, they're not called brontosaurus anymore, but I, that's how I grew up naming them. So that's how I remember them. But there was a, a brontosaurus skeleton in the museum and you walked in and you're completely just bl blown away by the fact that this thing's femur is bigger than you are. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not a small dude, like I'm over six feet tall. And so you're walking through and then you realize that for the, for the last 10 seconds that you've been walking towards this, you're, you are already well past the tip of the tail that has been like, it was at the door when you walked in, yeah. it was just massive. And to have that kind of experience in like a fossil museum or, or something like that in Minecraft would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, I've, I've seen people build skeletons of stuff like their museum exhibits like that before. Like there've been a few people who built little kind of, like yeah little display stands with these giant kind of reproductions of dinosaurs or whatever on it's it's cool it's neat if you can do it yeah and like you said yeah. the the, pro the problem is in the differing textures between bone and quartz and kind of reconciling those just for the sake of making the build look good yeah yeah it's unfortunate and quartz is not a cheap block either <laughs> tell me about it i've been decorating yeah. my blaze farm with quartz now now that i've got that done that's what i've been <laughs> why, why would you choose quartz for that <laughs> well i don't know I, I like i wanted to have a nice white block in there and it's mainly just kind of framing the outside of it the rest of it is oh, kind okay. of glass and um like there's glazed terracotta on the inside because i'm using slime block flying machines to sweep the blazes out of the spawner area and into the killing chamber and that's oh, uh, cool that's something it's the first time i've really used slime block flying machines at all like i never really built farms in the past that required them and so getting to grips with those has been fun uh and them getting to grips with all of the blocks i accidentally put around them is also quite fun but uh, yeah, that, that's that's been the project right now. And I kind of did an introductory, like here is all of the stuff, well, most of the basic stuff slime blocks can do. And then we'll mm. get into other stuff later on in the survival guide. But yeah, this is a good application for them at first. It's not like, I, I expected to get a ton of comments saying like, why haven't you built the mob farm that kind of tricks the Blazes AI into moving towards solid blocks? The answer for that is twofold. One, because I felt like having a practical demonstration of slime block flying machines. The other being that my double blaze spawner is in a nether fortress that is entirely encased in netherrack. Like it's one of those ones that's properly buried in there. So mm -hmm. I thought clearing out that area and guaranteeing that blazes couldn't pathfind somewhere else was going to be a really big project. And also not a mechanic I could explain particularly well. I feel like Nembon has probably already done that. And I can't like, I, I don't want to kind of rip off other people just by saying, well, this is the farm and this is how they explained it getting done. I kind of wanted to understand a bit of it myself. Yeah, so, no, uh, Nembon's video on that is very, very good. It's very easy to understand. It's a lot of information. I had to watch it a couple of times, but it is very, very good. I have a blaze spawner. I have a double blaze spawner. And it was indeed encased in another rack. And mm -hmm. I can tell you firsthand, it took a long time. Yeah, yeah. I, you I, you I are correct. <laughs> you are correct in your assessment of like, oh, these blaze spawners are underground. I should do the slime block thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if, they, if they were out in the middle of nowhere, go for it. Make make the blaze you know farm that, that uses the AI. Because all you have to do is build a chunk, not remove eight. 
Yes. Yeah. And and doing the slime block <laughs> thing was was fun. It took a little bit of wrangling to put them all together and make sure that there was one sweeping them out into a trench, and then there was one sweeping down the trench so that the blazers would both from from both spawners would end up in the kill spot. And then, oh, right. and then I had to kind of narrow down the area in the kill spot so that they didn't have line of sight for me if it was on a corner. So yeah, like a double a double episode for that was basically it. And I did a bit more of that on stream, decorating it a little bit as well. But now it's surrounded with concrete powder and quartz and glass so that you can see in as they spawn because blazes aren't really affected by light level. Like they spawn in a light level of 11 and below, which is much higher than most mobs so you can basically mm -hmm. light one of those things up and it's fine like most people if they want to disable them they just pour lava from the ceiling because that's the only thing bright enough to to get that mm. whole area in one go but yep. i figured i figured i wouldn't need to worry about that because to turn it off all you really need to do is walk away if they're like mob spawner cages you don't need to worry yeah. too much about like proximity yeah. to them once you're outside that 16 radius sphere from the spawner then you're fine which considering that the the central like you know, the first four blocks around that are coated in glass to begin with, and I can't get in. Like, I can only really get up to five blocks, you know, near it anyway. So it's mm. it's it's really not that that necessary. Like, yeah, turning turning on on and off the lights is really not something I needed to worry about. I haven't seen the episode yet. Have you? How close together were they? Uh, they were I don't know, like diagonally, probably about. 10 blocks like it was, oh wow that's really it close. was it was literally like you go out into a corridor three blocks you turn left you walk three blocks you are in another blaze spawner wow. area so yeah like it, it it came together very well and that was right next door to the first nether portal i made it wasn't the first nether fortress i visited because i turned left instead of right if i had turned right <laughs> i would have found one instantly but instead i was like okay well we're going to prepare for a bit of a trek across the nether which in a way was good because i didn't want to give people the false hope that they would just stumble on a nether fortress instantly i've had people right, yeah, i've had yeah. people be like i have maybe it's because i have large biomes turned on in my world but like i had to trek for thousands of blocks to even find a nether fortress and then i just found like three at once so mm. yeah i have i have a couple of them fairly close in my world one of them doesn't have blaze spawners that close together but is over a lava lake so that one's going to be the wither skeleton farm the blaze farm is the one i've just done i can't remember if we have biome tweaked on our seed on the citadel i feel like they're small ish uh do you have any regrets with doing large biomes I didn't. There was uh, other people were talking about doing large biomes. Oh, I, oh, you didn't. Okay. I I stuck to the default vanilla. Like kept ah. all the settings the same. I literally just hit go, and that was it. Like I didn't even enter enter a seed because I just wanted yeah. people to have like f through through that series just to have the wh whatever like out of the box experience Minecraft has without any kind of tweaking in the background. Right. Yeah, we we upped our spawner, I think, by like a little bit. So instead of like the regular setting, it was like up by one tick. And yeah. then I'm pretty sure that I reduced the biome size to either small, small biomes or like if there was, I don't remember the setting, whether it's small, regular or large or whether it's a slider of like one through 10. I'm pretty sure it's um, a slider of like two through it? six or something like that. Two it's a weird six, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so again, like I know, I feel like I'm remembering, this is two years ago, that the slider was a little bit, smaller than average because at the time we didn't have any grand plans i had no idea if the seed was going to stick around whether we we're going to have enough players to sustain the server so the few people that were involved there was only like three or four of us the consensus was we would like to have access to the different biomes and blocks if we could so slightly smaller biomes meant that the chances of having more stuff in the immediate area uh would would be better yeah yeah, yeah. makes, makes so perfect sense yeah 
Yeah. So, which is good because we, you know, we had a big desert very early on. We had, you know, we've got a swamp, we've got dark oak, we, you know, like all that kind of stuff was accessible, which did make the early parts of the server a lot more fun when you've got all the different woods and all the different glass and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I really wish that my mesa had generated a little bit closer to my spawn point because it's about four or five thousand blocks away. And that my nearest nether portal right now, I really need to put a nether portal out there. I have no idea why I haven't. Uh, mm. My nearest nether portal to that is at a desert temple 2,000 blocks away. <laughs> so I really uh. need to get more infrastructure sorted out in my world. That's probably going to be the next The next couple of episodes is, okay, ice roads to everything and boats mm. and kind of figuring out fast nether transport and introducing that concept. Those are good streams too, because once you've done like the legwork of figuring out the locations, then you just have to dig a hole, you know, and, and putting mm-hmm. that kind of stuff in is, is, is an easy thing to do when you're streaming because you're essentially just, you know, keeping an eye out for gas and lava, but then you're able to keep an eye on the chat and do all that kind of stuff. I, I find those kind of tasks really, really fun to do. I also enjoy the tunnel building in in the nether mm-hmm. i um i've gotten a little bit gutsy and been flying around a little bit more but i i think i prefer building tunnels than just flat roads because roads you're just you're always so worried about the things getting blown up so you're like well i'm not going to build it out of anything special yeah whereas with tunnels you can do some really neat stuff and and even build a tunnel lar- large enough to fly through you know and 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 tackle it that way um but I, I guess we should probably move on to the news we don't have a whole lot to talk about but it's definitely worth mentioning mm-hmm. uh this week the minecraft snapshot 19w09a came out and they added new note block sounds there is an iron xylophone a cowbell a didgeridoo a bit and a banjo and a previous existing sound called the pling is also now available and you get those sounds in order by placing a note block on iron blocks, soul sand, pumpkins, emerald blocks, hay bales, and glowstone for the pling. Uh, sprites for particles can now be configured in resource packs, and they fix, fixed a bunch of bugs, one of which I thought was very amusing. Uh, what did you think of the, the sounds? See, I really wish I was more into note blocks and that this was more exciting to me, but I so often I use note blocks in a technical capacity, but not for their intended purpose, which is to make noises. I like mm-hmm. the bit noises because I'm kind of fond of like that 8-bit music uh, kind of stuff, chip tunes and so forth. So, oh, for sure. Yeah, so it was, it was nice to have that. My frustration with note blocks is always that they have a relatively limited range of notes. Like there are only, I think, 16 notes. That sort of sounds Correct. about right. Um, <laughs> considering that a lot of stuff is stored in 16s when it comes to programming. And yeah, I like, I, as, as somebody who's got a background in music, I want to have like a larger range than that. It's like when you want to play something on a, a, a piano, but you're only given a MIDI keyboard that has 12 notes on it. You know, there's a, mm-hmm. a, a limited amount I can do with that. Like I, I almost considered arranging my old theme tune, the one that I still occasionally use to like start my streams and stuff, uh, in the note block kind of format but then i would have to dip into all of these other instruments that i don't really want to use um i do right. love the fact that banjo is like you, you get a banjo sound by putting a note block on a hay bale that's just like <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> yeah. fits so well it's it's kind of wonderful and uh yeah the the cowbell thing they were teasing that um by uh talking about the snl cowbell skit the blue oyster cult uh, needs more, more cowbell, cowbell. Yeah. yeah and, yeah, and yeah. i i expected that when they were teasing it to be something to do with the functionality of the bell block for villages right. and so i got kind of excited about that because this that still just goes bong and doesn't really have any kind of purpose and then it turned out it was about note blocks and i was like eh, fine i guess it's not a feature that i use much of but maybe one that i'll you know dip into at some point when i feel like doing a fun project instead of all of the technical stuff i'm doing right now 
Yeah, I found most of them pretty underwhelming. Um, the, the iron xylophone is fine. The cowbell does not really sound like a cowbell, not as well as I feel like it could. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if anybody has ever heard a didgeridoo, but this the note block does not sound like a didgeridoo. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, a didgeridoo I, is just like a continuous droning like yeah. breath note. So like, I, I don't, I don't yeah. quite understand how you're going to simulate that by like hitting something. It's, it's kind of yeah. the opposite of how you play a didgeridoo. It's, it's odd. But the bit and the banjo are far and away my favorites. They yeah. sound fantastic. They're really fun. Uh, the thing, the restriction that I find with note blocks is that you can't get them to play the notes fast enough. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah. Like if you, because one of the first things that I thought of with the bit was like, well, wouldn't it be cool if something good happens to you in Minecraft, like you are equipping a new sword or you're going and getting some stuff or something is being dispensed to you uh, and or you've finished you've finished a mini game that your server mates have designed. And when you cross the uh, finish line, there's like a one up noise from Mario, you know, yeah. like the doodaloop. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think you could do that. And correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but I don't think you could play the notes fast enough for that to actually work. It has I to could also just based on like redstone timings and stuff. So there's yeah. always going to be a little delay in there. Yeah, well, I mean, but redstone ticks are pretty fast, right? Like I just, it, they're, they're, there's 20 of them in a second. So I, I don't know. Sorry, there's 20 game ticks. Redstone ticks are less, mm-hmm. I think. I'm, yeah, I'm, I think there's 10. There's 10 redstone ticks. So like yeah. one, one game tick is... I'm going like, back yeah. to my logical geek boy information <laughs> yeah, yeah. Se- session from last yeah. week. Uh, but yeah, like, so I've, cause I, one of the things that I've done on the server that I think is still very funny is I play the sad trombone trill from The Price is Right when people lose, like they guess <laughs> the wrong note. Nice. So, and it is, serves two purposes. One, it makes me giggle. And two, it indicates that the minecart with the villager in it that I have indeed sent on vacation, aka into the lava pit, uh, it was successful. Uh, the minecarts get saved, but the villager passes over a uh, uh, tripwire hook mm-hmm. uh, string, and that powers a note block that goes do 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 do, yeah. And it happens every time because I want to make sure that the villager hasn't bounced back up because I've had that problem where I then have two villagers on the track and it's it's a pain in the butt. Yeah. And so so I wanted to, to have that um, that indicator, uh, and it worked out quite well. Uh, I have to say I don't remember what they're on. It might be like a bass guitar as opposed to an actual trombone because the the trumpet or the brass noise in Minecraft was too high pitched. Uh, wasn't the right thing but i looked it up I, I looked up what the notes were on online for that for the music and then i looked up what what clicks you had to do on the note block in order to play those particular notes that was easy getting the timing whew, yeah. i just had to go by ear i'm glad that i used to play bass guitar back in my 20s mm-hmm. because i you know it would and that knowledge and that just like listening to something and then listening to it in minecraft and going like yeah that's about right you know or at least recognizable uh was was the only way to go there was no instructions online about t- like redstone timing versus like music timing let not that i could find i'm sure somebody has done an extensive video but i couldn't find it but, uh, but yeah note blocks are pretty pretty fun it, occurs, I, I also... it occurs to me that i could potentially try and arrange the spawn chunks theme in no, in note block form that'd be a fun stream at some point might have to do it in creative yeah. mode so i don't tear my hair out in survival but <laughs> I, I might give yeah. that, i might give that a try we, we that could be like yeah that, that could be some sort of weird like milestone goal we set at some arbitrary amount as like if oh at, yeah at, at like you know Four hundred and fifty dollars. Pixel Rose will try and arrange this in in Minecraft and probably have a terrible time doing it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, 
I did you I think it was your tweet or you mentioned to me or maybe it was something in the discord about the uh, snapshot focusing on you thought the bell Um, and uh, so I was messing around with the bell and something that I don't know when they made this change they didn't list it in the patch notes for this but the bell is now something that you can attach to the side of blocks Mm -hmm. Uh, I knew you could hang it from the top and place it on the ground but you can place it on the side of stuff i'm not sure when that changed or maybe i just missed it completely uh but it's really cool it it allows you to put that in many different places uh you could have a church tower like there's all kinds of really cool stuff that you can do with that bell now i don't know what the functionality is um but um but yeah like it it looks really cool and then i immediately thought did they do that to the lanterns nope (laughs) <laughs> nope you still you still can't place lanterns on the side of things which is dumb mm-hmm. so so limiting so limiting but uh i i tried i really wanted to try it uh, the other thing that i messed around with and this is not so useful but very minecrafty in that when a fox picks up a sword and that sword has fire aspect on it and the fox is near a chicken when it attacks the chicken the drop from the chicken is cooked chicken yes Oh, so good. It's hilarious to watch. It's like a fiery headbutt of doom. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like, it's because the way that, it, and sometimes the foxes jump and sometimes they just kind of like headbutt it. Like they kind of like, yeah. it's almost like they say hello to the chicken. They kind of go, boop, and then the chicken's on fire. And you're like, what mm-hmm. just happened? Because when the fox has got a sword in its mouth, most of the sword is hidden. Like you really can't see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it was really, really fun. Now, unfortunately, the moment that that happens, the fox drops the sword and picks up the chicken because the fox is always going to prefer food over items. But I was thinking if you had the chickens all on carpet over hoppers. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and there was a filter underneath those hoppers where it would only accept chicken and it would suck the chicken out immediately. Then it would work. And then the fox would potentially pick up the sword again. The only problem is that chickens drop feathers too. And they lay eggs. Yeah, it's true. I, so there would there be no way to control which one the fox picked up. I think some people have already put together like mock-ups of potentially having chicken cookers powered by foxes. I'm pretty sure Doc M made a video about them this week. So there's yeah, there's somebody will figure out a way to do it, like and 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 just have that as a fun contraption, kind of like what Logical Geek Boy was saying the other day about how he has a wither-powered squid farm. Like just the the stuff like that that doesn't need to exist. It's not the most functional thing in the world, but it's just fun. And if you can find a way to make that like a a reusable mechanic, then yeah, that could could potentially add a little bit of interest to to the chicken farm. Yeah, I, I just thought it was cute. I, just, I like that they put that kind of thought into the game. Yeah, for sure. So for this week, we have a bit of a discussion topic, but we also wanted to cover some chunk mail and clear our inbox out a little bit ahead of next week when I'm sure we will be getting a few emails for our guest. Uh, so let's, let's move on to chunk mail. And uh, how about you read this first one and I'll take the second one. Sounds like a plan to me. Uh, this first email is from Isaac T and it was sent back on February 18th. Like I said, we're clearing out some, some of the good emails that we just haven't had a chance to talk about. Uh, Isaac says, Hey guys, been listening to the podcast for a while and got super excited when I saw the new episode this morning. Do you think bows will become obsolete when 1.14 drops? I personally feel that unless bows get new use, they will be underused compared to crossbows. Maybe they could make, uh, be made into grappling guns or something like that. I think he went into his email and said that he, he saw that in a video online. Mm-hmm. Uh, love the podcast and the videos as always. Keep up the good work. 
Isaac. Thanks so much, Isaac. Uh, I, you have a, an excellent response to this, and I don't have anything to add. So sure. <laughs> go, go for it. While I am fully in favor of having grappling guns of some form in Minecraft, because gosh, scaling mountains would be a whole lot easier. The amount of jumps uh, yep. I miss when I'm just trying to jump up like a couple of blocks on a mountain, like it's, my parkour skills are just awful. But uh, aside from that, I don't think crossbows are going to make bows obsolete. And the main reason for that is enchantments. Despite the fact that crossbows are naturally more powerful, bows still have access to power enchantments, flame enchantments, and probably most importantly, infinity. Crossbows don't. Crossbows cannot be increased in power, they don't have the infinity enchantments, so if you're using a crossbow, you're eventually going to run out of ammunition, unless you've got a very full inventory of it. Now, crossbows have the advantage of having three unique enchantments. They have quick charge, which lets you reload faster. They have multi-shot, which lets you shoot up to three arrows for only consuming a single arrow, so potentially you can get a little bit more out of it, but not as much as you would with infinity, because by its nature it is infinite. Uh, and piercing, which doesn't do any more damage to targets, but allows you to shoot through targets into stuff that's behind them. And for each level, you get an additional target hit. So at piercing three, you could shoot four things in a row. And there's actually, I think, an advancement for shooting four things in a row, or maybe an achievement if it's on the uh, the Bedrock version. But yeah, those are all great. They have their uses, uh, but none of them increase damage. So potentially bows are still a contender uh, when it comes to damage output. And if anything... It's just nice to see Mojang increasing the variety of ranged combat, first with the trident and now with the crossbow. I feel like bows were the only ranged like thing you could do for basically since alpha, like since bows were added until 1.13, there were no other ranged weapons. So it's kind of cool to see crossbows being added and still being balanced compared to bows. I don't think they're, they're going to overrule bows at all. No, I, I agree. I, I don't have anything to add in terms of like a response to the email, I think more about crossbows and how I'm going to use them in farms to kill stuff as, yeah. about, as opposed to using them on my person because of infinity. I'm just like, Nope, I'm just going to use a bow. Uh, I feel like crossbows with fireworks and crossbows, uh, in a skeleton farm being fed by the own, by the arrows that the skeletons are dropping and then giving the skeletons a taste of their own medicine in the kill chamber would be epic. Yeah, it's definitely a nice ranged alternative to the sweep attack with a sword as well. Like if you're able to attack multiple targets, then yeah, it's it's going to give it the edge in certain circumstances. But I find those will be very circumstantial. You're, mm -hmm. you're going to get a little bit of like a scattershot spread sort of thing. So you can maybe be less accurate with a crossbow than you'd have to be with a bow. But mm -hmm. even so, I don't think they're going to have the edge if bows still have power and infinity, especially with yeah. flame as well, because flame is actually really useful in some circumstances. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I use flame not for offense or, or defense. I use it for exploration. Like when I find a ravine because I'm running Optifine, a flaming arrow emits light mm -hmm. uh, in the yeah. game. So I can shoot a couple of arrows and be like, oh, cool, there's a ravine here. And there's the floor. It's actually a lot closer than I thought. You know, that, that kind of stuff uh, I find very, very handy. And we'll get on to uh, some more stuff about lighting in a second, because that's going to be mm. our, our main topic. We have a, a bit of a chat about that. But first, I'm going to read this email from Vincent, which came through on February 25th. It says, hello, Joel and Pix. I've been listening to your podcasts all the time during my Minecraft sessions. Thank you very much. 
Do you think every mob should have a purpose? Surprisingly, not many people talk about the usefulness of each mob. A recent trend is that new mobs don't really have a purpose in survival. Polar bears, foxes, pandas, etc. These mobs don't drop a resource that advances your survival, unlike cows dropping leather, sheep providing wool, or phantoms dropping membranes. I'm a firm believer that every feature should have a purpose. So are mobs only added for ambience and immersion really worth the update? Thanks, Vincent. Thank you, Vincent. I, I think this is an interesting chat. We've kind of touched on variations on this conversation before, but uh, let's address this one head on. So I, I'm with you on mobs being added for ambience, not necessarily adding a lot to the functionality of the game. I, however, think they add a lot of life to the game. Yeah. Uh, I think that seeing squirrels or frogs in swamps or birds flying around... Uh, would add a lot to the immersion of Minecraft. The woods and stuff feel very vacant when you're walking through and exploring. There's not much around other than zombies and skeletons, depending on the time of day. Uh, so that, I mean, obviously we're getting that with foxes. Foxes, I would argue, have a little bit more function and interaction than, than say, what we're talking about here with really, uh, uh, we'll say, absent gameplay mobs like polar bears and, and things like that. Uh I think that they could add more for functionality for in terms of things like, you know, sheep and cows and chickens. I'm wondering if there's other animals or other wildlife they, they could add or mobs doesn't necessarily have to be real world that they could add that would then become essential to your gameplay or provide you with another option. Uh, similar to like how if you kill a phantom, you get a phantom membrane, which can then give you a slow falling potion, which is, you know, got its uses and say like the dragon fight and some stuff like that. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe leaning away from the ambient mobs and getting more into enemy mobs um, and, and having more imaginative stuff drop um, could be kind of cool. That said, it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad guy mob. It could still be an imaginative made-up animal. Because I know that I know that Mo Yang wants to stay away from like killing pandas for a drop, yeah, like a slime yeah. ball would be terrible. Like you don't want to encourage that, right? But make something up. You know, make make up a really weird, you know, uh, grazing animal, uh, or make it aggressive, whatever you want. Uh, but maybe it drops something valuable. Like maybe it it has a you know it, it has something. Uh, to it that that you can get a new material you know whether it's uh another way to get wool or maybe it's uh, i'm trying to think about another item in the game that you could that's it something could drop you know maybe it's a potion maybe it drops something you know like nether wart so you can get nether wart from the nether beast that you didn't have to go to the nether to get i don't know give us things but, that drop clay and quartz <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean well you could be like have it be a quartz Golem. Well, you brought up golems before too, like yeah, having yeah. those kind of things in the wild where it'd be, you know, there's an iron golem and having golems made out of clay or different materials could give you access to those kind of things if you haven't found a swamp yet or if you want to try and farm them. Yeah. That could be really cool. You know, like if you've got something like that that's dropping quartz that you could then find out how it spawns, you know, exploit or utilize those mechanics and then try to use it. Uh, the thing that I came up with in my head immediately, which is kind of redundant because we have bone meal, but something like, you know, education for Minecraft players about say how fertilizer works, like being able to harvest the cow droppings and turn yeah. it into fertilizer for your farms and grow stuff faster. Like stuff like that would be cool. I just wonder, you know, what else you could put in the game as far as domesticated animals that would have a use. Like we've got chickens, goats, maybe um, I'm, I'm unfortunately drawing a blank on other kind of, you know, 
domesticated animals because really there's no other material in the game that i can think of that we'd get from animals that's the thing as well that's that's how minecraft mirrors the real world if you look at the way the mob i guess hierarchy if you want to call it that is constructed in minecraft hostile mobs are almost always fantastical there are a couple of exceptions to that and they are mostly like wild mobs that can become hostile like wolves or polar bears as an example Mm -hmm. right but then when it comes to zombies skeletons phantoms all of that stuff the stuff that just attacks the player out of nowhere is a fantasy mob like it's it there aren't typically like real world animals that do that likewise anything that gives you resources for mob drops are animals that have been domesticated in real life so you think like wolves and cats you don't really use them in real life for anything other than as pets therefore they don't drop anything in minecraft whereas we domesticate cows sheep and you know chickens and that kind of thing because we slaughter them on mass and then sell their meat and mm-hmm. you know use leather for stuff and so that's minecraft mirroring the real world and the fact that you can't think of any more mobs that you know any real world animals that could be added to minecraft to provide resources we don't already have is kind of indicative of their approach now they're like well Mm -hmm. what minecraft is lacking is wildlife that people don't necessarily like you know breed on mass to kill i mean people hunt foxes but for sport and that's still kind of a weird tradition that i don't particularly for, agree with yeah um, for fur for the fur trade is a pretty frowned upon thing exactly now. Yeah. yeah and and that and that kind of thing like th- those are those are the kind of mobs and pandas being kind of you know the national animal of china and that china kind of being the reason that pandas have been added in the first place you kind of expect people to treat them with a little bit of reverence and the pandas themselves are actually a source of slime for folks who play on peaceful they're not a particularly great source of slime but the sneezing mm-hmm. pandas will give you slime balls which you could only get from slime uh, in in survival Minecraft, and if you play on peaceful, slimes don't spawn because hostile mobs don't spawn. So, in, in much the same way that adding the composter is a new source of bone meal for those players, it's kind mm. of important to consider different gameplay approaches. It's it's a an approach that doesn't necessarily please the people like us who are survival players who play on harder difficulties, who are very technical, who want stuff to be farmable and kind of have access to new resources and stuff to do. But you have to consider folks who like who want to just explore and like tigers in the snapshots feel way more eventful now. There are berry bushes and foxes and the villagers are generating a little differently. So little stuff like that that might seem trivial to us as, you know, survival and kind of farming technical based players will be big deals to people who are just like i want to go and explore a world that just generates in front of me and see what's out there there are people who play like that who play minecraft just to relax and look around they play in peaceful mode you know that kind of thing Mm. and we, we were talking about like how to improve exploration in in previous episodes and talking about like how biome bundle changing the landscape is one thing to do that and adding in wildlife like foxes that isn't going to disappear when you switch your game mode to peaceful is another way of doing that yeah with pandas as an example i think to highlight what what vincent might be getting at it would be cool if pandas ate the bamboo naturally and dropped some of it yeah right so you could put hot like if you wanted to have a panda as as a quote-unquote pet or if you wanted to protect it you know from being an endangered species and you had enough bamboo around it would say like well thanks for all the food i'm gonna give you some Mm -hmm. like that to me would be just enough interaction to say like oh good I'm not a redstone player. I don't want to figure out how to do a piston-powered bamboo farm. I'm just going to put a bunch of bamboo in a plantation with a panda. That's going to look a lot nicer. And I'm going to be able to harvest 
bamboo because the panda is going to drop a lot. Like that to me is just a fairly straightforward addition that could have added more functionality than just, you know, slime boogers to the panda. I played a board game recently called Takanoko, which is all about farming bamboo and there's a panda that runs around and eats it. And I'm like, I'm going to be experiencing this in Minecraft in a couple of months time. <laughs> Fingers crossed, of course. But yeah, it's 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 fun. And it's it's fun to see that stuff uh, start to creep in. Let's Let's move on to our main discussion. Let's move on to talking about lighting. Because this week, a very interesting video came out thanks to Cubfan135, who we have mentioned many times on the show before. But if you're not familiar, he is a member of Hermitcraft. He is a very technical player. He's known for grinding out large projects. And uh, he has a lot of sort of snapshot update videos. He looks very closely at game mechanics quite frequently. And he put out a video this week that's kind of addressing a problem he thinks is present in the current game of Minecraft, and that is one of lighting. Cub argues that lighting in Minecraft needs a bit of an overhaul. He's kind of frustrated that players who reach endgame Minecraft, who have control over so many other aspects of the game, you know, he was like, I'm farming so much stuff just in this controlled space where he has like a cake factory. He's producing mm -hmm. all of this these resources passively around him constantly. But he's like, I still need to place light sources every 10 blocks or so to prevent hostile mobs from spawning and attacking me. That feels like a measure of control that players should have over the game after they've spent so much time, you know, bending the rest of the game to their will, if you want to put it dramatically. Yeah. So some people have suggested solutions to this. Some folks think that beacons could have a secondary effect, which prevents mob spawning within a certain radius, uh, much like they give you haste or strength or whatever, jump boost or whatever now, uh, you could just enable another effect on a beacon that meant that no mobs would spawn within the radius of effect, which I think is a 50 block radius if you build the highest tier of beacon. Uh, Cub thinks, and I agree, that this is kind of overpowered and not a great solution because once you've got access to, you know, being able to kill the wither quite frequently and, you know, people can kill the wither on like the first day of a server if they can prepare fast enough, then you've immediately got access to denying mobs from spawning in a certain area and yeah, that seems a little bit too overpowered and not a great solution. Another option he yeah. suggests... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I agree. I, I When I was watching that video, I was like, yeah, you know, it sounds like... At first, it sounded like a good idea, but then he was like, mm, now it undermines the, the whole idea of like surviving in Minecraft, right? And I, I thought it was an excellent point. It, it's, it's something that sounds good on the surface, but once you implement six of them, you're like, oh, this is kind of boring. Yeah, and, and it's an aspect you see in modded Minecraft with stuff like mega torches, which are items that you typically get in some mod packs to prevent mob spawns within a radius. Um, but right. they're usually A, very difficult to craft, and B, in modded, you are producing blocks which are so often like condensed versions of like very important contraptions and you put so much time and effort into producing just one block and having a creeper blow that block up and invalidate maybe 10 or 15 hours of work that it took you to get right. that far is more heartbreaking than just blowing a hole in something you built in survival in vanilla and having to patch that all up so yeah. um another option he suggested in the video would be to add a greater range of light emitting blocks to the game and he actually kind of breaks down the light emitting blocks that there currently are in the game and it amazed me when he pointed out that there are really only like five or six blocks which you can place anywhere and they aren't affected by the environment in much this like say um sea pickles you have to place them underwater for example or torches right. you can't place them in water because then they'll break um with lava and fire they have the potential to hurt players and destroy items but there are only six blocks in the whole game that provide light and aren't affected by any of that which i think was sea lanterns glowstone 
um, I think beacons and conduits were part of those, and those are such expensive blocks. And mm. yeah, there, there are a few light sources like that. I think end rods might have been one of them, except I think end rods can be destroyed by water as well. So I, I'm forgetting what they are off the top of my head. But yeah, there are some like redstone lamps that also require redstone power to be present. So there are extra considerations for a lot of lighting blocks and such a small range of lighting that you can just place without having to worry about it. So it's, it's funny how you get stuck on, well, these are the blocks that I can use. This is the stuff that I have the most of torches, jack-o'-lanterns, sea lanterns once you have a guardian farm and you just or glowstone if you have a witch farm etc yeah and you just start using those and you forget that you just kind of default well which one of these four am i going to use in this build well that one you know and you yeah. kind of go for it and you hide it however you you know how um but i i again like you was surprised when he was like these are the four blocks that you get <laughs> yeah and i was like wow dude like that is that's exact that is so true mm -hmm. yeah and and his his proposed solution to this problem uh, aside from maybe adding more light sources to the game, which would be kind of a stopgap for it. And he said like variable light sources would be kind of fun, like having something that outputs a light level of like five or six. Like the, there's mm -hmm. only occasional things that do that, like ender chests output like a light level of nine or seven or something like that. Um, his proposed solution is to allow for an item, for example, glowstone dust is the one he, he used frequently in this video, to imbue any block in the game with light. So you right click on it with some glowstone dust and effectively that block becomes a light source and you could maybe add it incrementally. So if you add one glowstone dust, it just glows a little bit. And if you add a ton of glowstone dust, it gets to light level 15 and is preventing mobs from spawning in a wide radius and also allows for that light to be concealed in a build so that you can light up a room ambiently without ha the light sources having to be present in the walls and the floor and the ceiling around you. So I thought this was worth discussing because obviously lighting is one of those elements that I feel like if you're looking at the mechanics of it being a video game and kind of there being challenges in a video game that you have to overcome, lighting is one of those things for me. I feel like sometimes I get more fun out of the challenge of finding ways to conceal lighting than you know than you might expect and i don't necessarily see it as like a chore to find places for this but i can see his point especially when it comes to the huge stuff that people build on survival servers and not wanting their progress to be held back and not wanting their builds to be restricted by having to worry about mob spawning mechanics especially when the other players on the server want to play with mob spawning mechanics so they can acquire resources from the mobs and so forth mm -hmm. so what do you think about cub's solution first of all what what do, what do you think about the glowstone dust solution I really like the concept and there's a part of me that thinks like, man, that would really free you up to just have light coming from anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and I know I've seen that in, I don't know what, well, probably various mod packs that it's in, but in Nature's Beauty, when I was watching Wells Knight's series, I, I remember watching him build a uh, a wood block out of chis using chisels and bits. So he was using basically 16 slices, similar to like a snow layer. And he put like three or four glowstone slices within the wood slice. So when you place the block in the world, in the world, the wood block had a wood texture, but it had the power of glowstone inside of it. So mm -hmm. rather than having to put glowstone in the middle of his nice wood floor and put a carpet on it, he just put a piece of wood that was glowing. And it was a, it was a simple solution. And for someone that was focusing on aesthetics in the build, uh, it made a lot of sense. And I feel like on one hand, I like that idea. I 
want there to be some restriction, like maybe mm-hmm. not all blocks. Maybe it has to be a certain kind of block or uh, only, you know, only manufactured blocks or whatever it is uh, could could help with that. Uh, I don't know from a technical side of thing, because something that was not mentioned in, in Cub's video was what that would do to the rendering engine and, and people's yeah. PCs. If you've got one, anything can be a light source and two, anything could be a variable light source because if you can control the, the light level of it then you've got blocks that are emitting levels of one to three to seven to this and they're all next to one another and i got a funny feeling that people's pcs would just turn into potatoes uh (laughs) running running this because knowing the kind of i mean i i don't have a gaming pc but i have a decent computer and minecraft can still kind of make things chuck a bit so i would imagine that lighting updates um would be a potential problem i don't know because of course we're getting a lighting switch over in in 1.14 with how things are rendered i believe Mm -hmm. so so there's that to consider. Uh, what I ended up kind of dwelling on was the limit of light blocks, the the four light blocks that you can actually use. And I think maybe keeping glowstone as a heavy part of new recipes for new blocks would be one, more fun. Uh, you get new blocks that you wouldn't necessarily have to use as light sources. Maybe you use them as building blocks and as a bonus, they happen to uh, light stuff up, especially if you can control them. Like yeah. if it's if it's a block that you're constructing out of redstone and glowstone and something else that's not a glowstone lamp or a redstone lamp that you have to power, but if it's something that you can toggle, um, then that could be potentially really cool. Uh, something like a light slab. Like imagine if you had slabs in sea lanterns. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. that slab emits half the light of a sea lantern. Maybe it's only a light level of seven as opposed to a light level of 15. Uh, a light cube, like something about the size of a player head yeah. uh, would also be really cool. Like like a wither skeleton skull. Maybe you get those from killing blazes. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's orange and not white. Like there's a bunch of different things that you could probably come up with. Uh, you could put this uh, player head size light source on top of a flower pot and it would look like a little desk lamp. Like there's a bunch of different things that you could potentially do to increase the number of blocks that a player would have to play with. I'm thinking mostly on a smaller scale because lighting is normally something that you put inside, right? In terms of your builds. Like it's normally the inside of a build that you want to try and light up. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside, you want to put some lights, but you're not necessarily as worried as as much as you are when you're just running to the next door or the next inside well-lit space. Uh, I feel like a light panel, like a trap door, uh, you can maybe make something that you can dye. So if you make this light object, maybe you can change it to all kinds of different colors and then allow the player to blend it in to their environment as best they can. I, I like the idea of a light object rather than being able to make my couch into a light block. Because mm-hmm. that to me, while convenient in Minecraft, is not necessarily very realistic because if I have a living room with a couch in it and no lights, it's a dark living room in, in real life. Uh, so it would be nice to be able to build uh, light panels or, or be able to do something like that um, that would allow light to be in, in builds. Uh, I think maybe because of the sci-fi conversations we've been having lately in terms of textures and texture packs and, and technical stuff that I think one of the major things that's missing for anybody that wants to build any kind of contemporary or uh, or modern builds, the first thing that I see in their custom texture packs is that they replace something so that they can build modern looking lights, either lamps or ceiling panels, mm-hmm. and have it just look like a building in real life. And that's something that I feel like is really missing from Minecraft is the ability to craft some sort of light source block that is not just a weird, awkward thing like a jack-o'-lantern or a big chunk of glowstone that you have to put a carpet over it. Um, 
I'm wondering also if redstone signal could then be attuned to light level because there's a parallel. Uh, most blocks that are full light sources emit a light level of 15 and redstone has a signal strength of 15. So it would be very cool if your uh, redstone lamp that exists in the game now is something that depending on how you powered it could emit either a strong or low light level. Yeah. Uh, where do you where do you find uh, you land on this kind of stuff? Because I think additional light blocks would increase pre- uh, player creativity with restriction, just with more options. Yeah, I'm kind of on that side of the argument as well, really. I think I'm, I'm in favor of a variety of light sources and light strengths or something that would let us adjust light levels up or down. Um, so yeah, you, you could maybe right-click on something to add glowstone and then to remove the glowstone, you absorb it with some sort of light sponge, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how I would enact those mechanics in the game in a way that made sense for minecraft as it currently is in terms of like the technology of minecraft and so forth there's obviously like the fantasy elements so i feel like glowstone is the closest thing we have to a a mystical sort of light source i suppose um if you want to build modern by the way conduits on their own they don't have to be waterlogged to give off light and i find that having like this kind of floating item that that it kind of oh, floats yeah. like in 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 a in, in a space of its own almost is is really nice to add lighting I, I added a couple of those into my warehouse build on the decidedly vanilla server and they're subtle oh, interesting and they're expensive that's the main problem is you have to go and find shipwreck treasure in order to yeah and and while there are plenty of shipwrecks out there in the world sometimes they all lead to the same treasure which can get very frustrating if you're looking for more ways to uh to find conduits but mm. yeah anyway i i feel like i've i've seen the adding glowstone to blocks thing done i think in in particular in the carpenter's blocks mod uh where you can effectively make a wireframe block that you place anywhere you like it has slab variants it has stair variants i think there are even slopes in the carpenter's mod as well uh and then you right click that with glowstone and it glows and then you can just skin that block with whatever texture you want so you can add the polished granite texture to a slope and you just get this nice kind of you know granite roof um Mm -hmm. but I'm not a fan of that because it gets kind of fiddly in a way. It's it's in much the same way the chisels and bits solution is. It sort of becomes something that feels a little bit extra and doesn't feel quite as smooth a mechanic as the rest of the stuff in Minecraft is to me. But then yeah. uh, that was me playing modded as a very vanilla player. I felt a little bit out of my element anyway. So it might have just been... It might be something that I would, just, I would adjust to quite quickly if they implemented it in vanilla. And knowing Mojang, they might actually come up with quite an interesting, slick way to do it. But my my initial thoughts on hearing Cub's ideas were that it could be tackled in a more complex way. Uh, which, again, probably, you know, if, if we're Blue Sky thinking this and not worrying about programming and generating lag and that kind of thing, I would love a sort of system where Minecraft can recognize a structure as player-made or complete in some way and allow you to mob proof the interior with just a few light sources so you could have like one light on a floor of a building that covers the entire area provided that it's an enclosed space with a door and and that kind of thing so terraria uh, another 
indie game that's kind of known for being Minecraft-like in its scope. It's a 2D side-scroller. Folks might be familiar with this, so sorry if I'm explaining this to you, but for people who aren't, um, NPCs in that game can recognize when a house is complete and is able to offer, sh offer them shelter from monsters. So an NPC will actually move into a house once you've built a, a, a wall around it, filled in a wall at the back, added a table, a chair, and a light source. And then they go, okay, I can move in there now, as, as long as it's a certain size as well. There are size restrictions to it. But then th that's the game recognizing it as a, a, a valid shelter. And if the same mechanics could somehow be present in Minecraft, so if there is a completely enclosed box with a door and maybe a couple of other items in it, like put a crafting table in the room at the same time, perhaps. Again, that imposes its own restrictions on it. But then if you put one torch on the wall, the entire room lights up and it's okay. I feel like that's kind of a nicer solution for players. Obviously, you are then limited to having to have certain blocks present and, and having to build a completely enclosed system like cave bases for example might not do so well with that system because you would have to make partitions every so often so that the game recognized it as a valid room so right. you run into all sorts of like scenarios where it wouldn't work but there are potentially solutions in there that could potentially work um i'm pretty sure on cub's video i saw il mango mention his idea would be to tag something with a kind of player placed tag when you put it down in much the same way that leaves are recognized they, they, they have that decay tag if they are naturally generated in trees and if you take down the tree the leaves start to decay but if a player places leaves that decay tag gets switched off because it's been placed by a player right. and you don't want the leaves to decay if they're away from wood right. so if you would potentially apply that to every other block in the game which is going to be a massive task i would expect then you could say, okay, if this is placed by a player, then mobs shouldn't spawn here, or light should act a certain way, or you know, tagging it with something like that in the background could, could complicate things enormously on the back end, but potentially allow for more manipulatable surroundings in that way. Mm. And I think that would be a boon to players who like to build stuff big in survival and still work with mobs around, but limit the areas where mobs can spawn. It has the potential to be enormously exploitable or a massive obstacle for building mob spawners. <laughs> like if, yeah. I built, if I built a mob, sp uh, mob spawner in the sky the way I did on Survival Guide and then it tagged every block in that with player placed because of course it would have to be otherwise I wouldn't have been able to build it there in the first place and then it didn't let mobs spawn there then the whole thing is useless. So having to work with naturally generated blocks to build that stuff is a whole extra challenge. But then yeah, like if, if you place one block wrong then it's ruined and you have to start again. So there must be an elegant solution to that somehow, but I'm not certain quite how you would do it. I Part of it to me is um, it's easy enough. If you want to exploit mob mechanics and make a mob farm, make a dead dark room, even though technically the light level in that room could be five or six and mobs would still spawn. Mm -hmm. uh, how would you handle or and how would you want to handle wanting a mood set in your build like maybe you're making a creepy haunted house or mm -hmm. you know you're making that so yes you've got the ability to you know have the house recognized as player made and there's no mob spawning in there but your your options for having dim light are pretty limited so what would you imagine for you know the ability to control light levels less about mob spawns more about aesthetics yeah that's that's the other thing is how much do you tie it to lighting being the mechanic that affects mob spawning at that point 
if it mm. if it read if it recognizes a house as being complete and a shelter, do you just switch off mob spawning inside that space? regardless of lighting that could be another option but then again that limits the amount that the player can build when it comes to effectively containing hostile mobs so yeah i i I love the idea of there being more scope for ambience in lighting that doesn't impact mob spawning especially considering that so many players if they want to build something that's got a little bit of lighting and atmosphere have to go and live on a mushroom island because that's the only place that you can guarantee no hostile mob spawns and then with a mushroom island, you're hamstrung by the color of the grass, which I know a lot of people don't like. And there are certain things that, yeah, like color-wise are going to be affected by the biome. And you can still get... Sp- you can Phantoms can spawn there because phantoms always spawn if you're above sea level and there's open sky above your head and you haven't slept. So mm-hmm. yeah, th- there's mob spawning is such a complex element and is so ingrained in minecraft now that un- unspooling that particular ball of yarn is a very difficult task at this stage and it's going to get more and more difficult the further we get into it so i feel like having conversations like this now is an interesting an interesting avenue because yes it's going to take a lot of work to overhaul a system like this but if we could do it for the better mob spawning and lighting could be looked at sooner then I feel like that's worth pursuing personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I'm always for any kind of additional blocks. Like even if the solution at the early stages is just different light blocks that emit different light levels, then I think that's just going to add to the creativity of players and stick to, we'll say the mission statement I'm kind of reading from Mo Yang, not literally, but just my own interpretation of it. And that is, you know, they want to add, you know, um, they want blocks to have more than one function. They want it to be aesthetic. They want it to be able to use in multiple different ways. So I feel like they have opportunities here that have been unexplored. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the point in the show where I normally say it'd be great to hear what the folks at home think about this. And it would, but I have a feeling you guys might want to send us emails on a different topic because while this is going to wrap up this episode of The Spawn Chunks, we have some exciting news to share about the next episode. If all goes well, and I <laughs> I almost don't want to speak these words into the world in case something happens <laughs> and we have to let everybody down. But Grian, yes, Grian, is going to be joining us on the show next week. We're going to have a bit more of an interview episode. It's not going to be like the roundtable format that you've heard with previous guests. It's going to be more like the show we did with Wells Knight or the show we did with Fix It, where we are kind of having having a chat with Grian about his philosophy when it comes to Minecraft. I kind of want to steer the conversation in terms of his recent shift from being primarily a creative player to primarily a survival player. So it'd be good to steer that kind of conversation in there, but it would be great to get some questions for Grian about whatever you feel like you want to ask Grian about. Now is your chance. And I will preface that by saying, of course, we cannot guarantee that we will be able to read many people's questions on the show. We're only going to have so much time with him. We don't want to kind of, you know, run over the clock at all and 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 waste his time. So get your questions in. Send them to thespawnchunks at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you if you have questions that you want us to ask Grian. And next week should be a very interesting episode, and I'm really looking forward to it. 
But in the meantime, you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in by visiting patreon.com slash thespawnchunks and joining our community. Pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat and get us closer to the quarterly Patreon hangouts, which is our next Patreon milestone goal, and it actually has a bonus goal of allowing the Discord minor tier of patrons to vote on roundtable discussion topics that we're going to be bringing to future episodes. Uh, we're currently hovering around a stack of patrons. I think a, new, a couple of new people have joined up recently. Maybe a couple of people have uh, had to drop off their pledges here and there, but the, uh, the, the stack number is something that we've achieved, and I'm very proud of that fact. And it feels like it's always growing. I feel like every time I come into this the the podcast to check the patreon there's always a bunch of new people that i'm you know eager to see joining uh the ranks of the the spawn chunk members which is really really cool there's been a lot of excellent conversation happening on the discord uh sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show you can find us at the spawn chunks on twitter and instagram pick your social media poison but personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast you can do that by talking to server mates about it post on your favorite minecraft forum or you know poke a friend in the arm and say hey you should listen to the show uh, because these guys are fun and i think that you would very much enjoy it We've had a few more reviews popping in on iTunes. I found this one on the US iTunes store earlier today and felt like sharing it with you guys. This is from Pope John Pilsner. Great name. Thank you so much for the review. Uh, the review titled An Absolutely Excellent Minecraft Podcast. He says, My wife and I have been following Pixel Rifts' survival guide and that led me to the spawn chunks. Pixel Rifts is one of the best Minecrafters out there. Well, thank you so much. Uh, always explains things so well and is super chill while doing so. I'm new to Joel, but the few episodes I've listened to lead me to believe that he is every bit as knowledgeable and thoughtful as Pix is. I've enjoyed everything so far and it's definitely keeping my Minecraft itch scratched while I'm at work. Keep it up guys. Thank you very much or we will. I feel like it might be the blind leading the blind <laughs> but I'm on board yeah. so it's all good. I, I, I couldn't resist. Uh, you can email the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com as Johnny mentioned a few minutes ago and let us know uh, any thoughts that you have or questions that you have for Green next week. Pro tip Keep emails short and to the point. You are way more likely to get them on the show uh, in that case. We do still read everything, but it's hard to read a, a small novella on, on the, the episode. Yes. Uh, you if, can subscribe. If you, just, if you just have something like to say to Grian as a fan, then we maybe might be able to share that with him off off mic. But when it, it, we really want questions and like questions that we can get into a little bit. So give give us thoughtful a short questions. a short but meaty thoughtful question. Yes, that's what yeah, we want. Yeah, if, yeah. If, if that's you've not seen too it a hundred times, if you've seen it a hundred times in his comments, probably not the best question to ask. There you go. Uh, you can find the Spawn Chunks by name on your favorite podcast platform or podcast app. That includes iTunes, Android, Stitcher, and Spotify. And just just like Pope John Pilsner, please leave us a review. It's one of the best ways to support the show and spread it out to new listeners that are searching for Minecraft podcasts on these platforms. The RSS feed is on the spawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That is the only place where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of this podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I am known as Pixelriffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search, and I stream three days a week on Twitch, where I've actually been doing a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff for the Minecraft Survival Guide lately, including decorating that blaze spawner, having a lot of fun over there. Aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? 
everything that I am doing online is at joelduggan.com. That includes links to my illustration and design portfolio, a link to email and hire me should you want to do that, links to podcasts like the Citadel Cafe and Comics Coast to Coast, and a link to my Twitch page, which is twitch.tv slash joelduggan, which is what I want to plug. Having a lot of fun over there, streaming on weekends, usually around 3 p.m. my time, uh, but very often, like I am a weekend warrior, very Friday, Saturday, Sunday sort of thing on Twitch. So check me out over there. Everywhere else, it's just Joel Duggan. I am very easy to find. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. You're going to need a whole lot of torches.